Welcome to Passion Life Church. Thank you, 10 Alpha, take 10. Daddy, I just want to thank you for um, being there for me and being my role model. Grandma, thank you so much for your prayers that I believe saved me. Thank you so much, and I love you. Thank you so much for just challenging me to be such a better person and to think, to think for myself and to to see, have a different perspective on like hard moments. Thank you, Kirby, for saying yes. And I can't wait to marry you and spend the rest of my life with you. Gracias. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to Passion Life Church on this great Thanksgiving weekend. I'm so glad you're joining us. I know a lot of people have some things going on, but I'm so grateful that you took some time to focus in. I believe God is going to speak to us today. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I just want to take a minute and I just want you to write in the chat real quick, what was your favorite dish? Uh, this Thanksgiving that you ate. Now, you could have prepared it as well, but uh, write it in there. Come on, I, I want to see you write that in there. I'm a ham guy. I love ham. I'm not really a turkey guy. You know, turkey's uh, to me a little dry, but I did have some. My uh, sister-in-law made an incredible turkey with gravy. Oh, come on, somebody. And we are still eating leftovers today. Come on, if you're eating leftovers, still eating leftovers today. But I'm eating leftovers in the chat. You know, how good is these holidays? You know, we all need some time to just rest. Come on, somebody, to get refocused, rejuvenated, right? To have just a little bit of a, of a reset in our lives. I think it's so important. I want you to turn to John chapter 6. That's where we're going to be at today. And we're continuing this series called The Power of Thank You, The Key to Finding Joy Again. And listen, I am preaching out of my brand new book. It just came out this last week. Same title, Power of Thank You, The Key to Finding Joy Again. We're going to be looking into chapter 2. But I just want to encourage you, listen, go to powerofthankyoubook.com. You can get this book today, okay? Now, today only, we are continuing the Black Friday sale, and you can get it for 30% off. I think it's like 23 bucks. Now, let me just tell you, it's a hard copy. It looks nice, and that's why it's about 23 bucks right now. And we did it this way is because... We wanted it to be nice enough for you to give someone as a gift. One of the things that I love about it, as you can see on the screen there, is it has a personalized dedication page that you can actually write to somebody, you know, how you're thankful for them, what they've done in your life. You know, a lot of times just looking for a gift for someone you admire or really respect is a little tough. Like, what can I get them? And you want to get them something that's personal, but you want to get them something that's profound. Well, this is an incredible gift for uh, December, for uh, Christmas that you can give. And uh, I think they'll be quite surprised, especially when they open up and they see how you feel about them. You know, I think it's it's amazing. So I just want to encourage you now, you can go to Amazon uh, to get it. However, the thing is, is that with Amazon, it's only pre-sale and uh, you're going to pay full price on Amazon at this point for the hardcover. And you won't have it till probably end of January or middle of January. So go to Power Thank You Book. It's going to change your life. And uh, I love that there's a prayer also at the end. Uh, we put that in there. It's very easy reading. Hopefully people will get saved when they read this book. And it's going to touch many, many lives.
You know, if you're joining us for the very first time, thanks. So glad that you're here. And uh, listen, connect with us. We'd love to connect with you. And you can simply connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 951-382-5757. And uh, thanks for watching today. Well, last week we learned something about Thanksgiving. I think that was really profound. Paul talks about how grace causes thanksgiving. Now, I felt joy on Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day, and it wasn't just because of the food. And I'm believing that you will understand the magnitude of Thanksgiving, how it can initiate miracles in your life. So you won't just do it one day out of the year, but you will start living in Thanksgiving. That's really why I wrote the book, because there's such power in Thanksgiving that most people don't really understand. And this is what Paul says about it. He says, Thanksgiving is produced by grace. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. So God's grace produces thanksgiving. Now, many people don't really understand what God's grace is. God's grace is a gift to you, right? We didn't deserve it. It's unearned. And yet he gives us unmerited favor in our lives. Grace, a benefit, the definition is in the Greek language. It is a benefit to you that, you know, we, to be honest, we didn't even ask for it. God just gave it to us as a benefit. And what we need to do is we need to receive it. Now, in the New Testament, the word for grace is charis. Come on, say that with me. Say charis. Now, the very nature of charis and God's grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. Now, the result of charis and grace on the heart is thanksgiving. Now, in the New Testament, watch this. The word for thanksgiving in the Greek is eucharisto. See that word charis? They are divinely intertwined for a reason. Grace is actually the root word of thanksgiving. And, you know, we use those words interchangeably. You know, some people before dinner, they'll say, hey, who's going to say grace? Uh, or others may say, who's going who's gonna to give thanks for the meal? Well, you know, we use those interchangeably, even in the English language, and it's because there is a deeper meaning. And in the Bible, it's like that as well. They are actually one word, grace and thanksgiving. They are deeply intertwined. And so when I started studying the New Testament and looking through the Gospels, I started to see something that Jesus did that really interests me. You know, most of us are accustomed to saying thank you after the miracle, after God does something for us. And I think that's so important. But I watched Jesus do something before some of his greatest miracles. And you know what it was? He would give thanks and he would speak this word, Eucharisto, before some of his greatest miracles. And I thought, wow, Jesus would give thanks before miracles. <laughs> and if Jesus did that, guess what? Phil's going to do that. Because if there's a pattern there that Jesus is doing it and it's producing miracles, then you know what? I want to do the same. And that's what we're going to look and that's what we're going to study today. I've entitled today, Not Being Limited by Little. And I want to share with you five keys to not being limited by little. Have you found John chapter 6, verse 5? Come on, let's read it. 
It says, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Now let's break down this story. It's an incredible story. Now the Bible says that there is 5,000 men in attendance. Now they're counting just the heads of household. This doesn't account for women and children that was there. So the truth is, is there could be anywhere from 10,000 to 15,000 people there. And you know what I love? The Bible says that Jesus lifts up his eyes and he sees the multitude. Watch this. And he sees that they are hungry. I want to encourage you today, whether you're watching or listening to the podcast, Jesus sees you and he knows your hungers. He knows your need. And the Bible says that he wanted them all to eat. He wanted them all to be fulfilled, all to be satisfied. And this isn't just a physical hunger. Isn't that amazing that he even sees our physical hunger and he wanted to feed them? He wanted them to have physical food, but also he had been teaching them. So it's also a, also a spiritual satisfaction. Come on, somebody. But I also believe emotionally. God wants your total being to be satisfied and he wanted for them to be fed. Now, watch this because I think this is going to help us today. The Bible says that he asked Philip, where are we going to be able to buy some bread? And he did this to test him. Now, I'm going to tell you what the test is. Are you ready? I'm going to give you the answer because you and I can have this same temptation, this same test that Philip and we're going to see Andrew have, right? And they don't do well uh, with it. But here's the test. Are you ready? The test is, will you trust God to meet your needs or are you going to try to meet them yourself? That's the test. Especially when you, when you look at what you have and it is little. And so Jesus asks Philip a question. He says, where are we going to buy bread for all these people? Now, when Jesus asks us a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Come on, somebody. He's God. Of course he knows the answer. But let me tell you what Jesus is doing when he's asking you a question. When Jesus makes a demand from you, he is setting you up for incredible, miraculous supply. Yes, let me show you. Do you remember when Jesus said that he had to go through Samaria and he went through Samaria and he saw the woman at the well and he asked her a question. Can you give me something to drink? Hmm. What is Jesus doing? Is he being demanding? What? No, he's setting her up for spiritual supply because she was thirsty and not thirsty for just regular water. She was thirsty for spiritual living water and Jesus knew it and Jesus had it. Because remember, he says, if you drink from this water, you will never thirst again. And so she looks at him and she says, well, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you even asking me? Isn't that funny? Uh, Jesus is doing all this because he wants us to come to him and know that he is our supply. And then he asks her another question. He says, where's your husband? And she says, I don't have a husband. Remember that? And then she, he says, rightly so. You have had five, but the one that you are with right now is not your husband. 
whoa. And he begins to tell her about him being the living water that she needs. Isn't it interesting that she was trying to fulfill her spiritual needs by emotional things that she was doing with this man and that man? And Jesus was saying, look, you need my living water. And he just asked questions. He was setting her up for a miracle. And you know what? We know it was a miracle because she ran into the town. And what did she say? She said, this man, he is Jesus. And he told me everything. And you know what? Jesus stayed in Samaria, administered to people. But he asked questions because he's setting us up for opportunity and for supply. Do you remember when Jesus was with his disciples? And he said, who do men think that I am? Now, he knew all of their thoughts right? But notice what Peter does. Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, uh, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but you know, my father in heaven. And by posing this question, he was setting them up to have a encounter with his father. So when Jesus asks you a question or says or makes a demand, it's because he's setting you up. And I want to encourage you when you look throughout the Bible, right? Jesus did that. Before miracles, he gave people instruction. And depending on what they did with that instruction would depend if they experienced the miracle. And so this is what he's doing with Philip. He's asking him a question. He says, where are we going to buy bread for all of these people? Look at verse seven. Philip answered him. He said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Now, 200 denarii, it represents about 40 bucks in U.S. currency. Now, think about this. Philip is looking at his hand. He's got about 40 bucks, and there's about 15,000 people that need to be fed. Now, you say, how does this apply to me? You know, Philip can represent us, right? He can represent us because what we do is in these moments, we look at what we have in our hand and it's too little. It's not meeting our need. And so we start focusing on what we're lacking. Watch this. Instead of concentrating and focusing on Jesus, who Philip was standing in the very presence of Jesus, who is our supplier, who is more than enough and can make all things possible. But watch this. Philip didn't consider Jesus. He was just looking at the little. And watch what happens. A young boy offers his lunch. Look at verse It says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? So Philip is looking at the money. Andrew's looking at five loaves and two fishes, and he's looking at this massive need, right? And he's like, oh man, what are these among so many? You know, something that Philip said really, really got to me because Philip actually says, when he looks at his money, he goes, you know, this isn't even enough for people to have a little. See, this is what happens when we don't consider Jesus. We think too small because we have a little maybe in our bank account or, you know, we we don't have the resources that we need. 
guess what happens? We can start thinking little, yet we are in the presence of a God who can do big things. And it's only God who can take little and make it into something large. Come on, somebody. Give him a good round of applause. Come on, put some uh, you know, applause emojis right there in the chat. We've got to consider Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why you got to consider Jesus. Because when we look at little and don't look at him, this is how we limit God. We limit God when you don't consider Jesus, when you don't consider what Jesus can do. And so here's number one. Number one is don't limit God in the little. Don't limit God in the little. Now, let me define little for just a moment because that can be relative to, you know, your circumstance and your situation. My little may not be your little, but little is whatever you have in your hand or in your bank account but it just won't meet the need that you have. So it is little, it's not enough. Now, I love this because the Bible says that Jesus already knew what he would do. This is what it means. Jesus knew that little doesn't limit him. No. You know, when I started looking throughout the Bible, you know, and I, I, I started to realize, you know what? God never despises little things. <laughs> Jesus is going to come. We're going to celebrate Christmas, right? And he comes into the earth, how? As a little child, as a little child. Do you remember Moses when Pharaoh was killing all of the babies? Um, Moses' mother put him in a basket and put him in the river and pushes him off. The baby's crying, these little tears. And what happened? God uses those little tears to move Pharaoh's daughter to bring Moses in. Little tears. God never despises the little. Do you remember Moses when he is standing on the, on the backside of the desert and God's speaking to him and Moses has this heart to deliver people, right? The, the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians. And there was maybe, I don't know, a million, two million people that needed to be delivered. And it, man, that's a big need. And Moses is like, how, how can I do it? And God says, what do you have in your hand, Moses? And Moses is like, well, I got a rod. <laughs> and he's looking at the rod. It looks little. It looks insignificant compared to the task that he has to do. And God says to Moses, lay it down. And so he lays down his rod. And guess what? It turns into a serpent. And that rod, later on, when you read in Exodus, it's not called Moses' rod. It's called the rod of God. And Moses would pick that up and stretch it out over the Red Sea. And you know what? The Red Sea would part. He did the miraculous with something so minuscule. This is what God can do. You know, I was thinking about David and Goliath. How did David kill Goliath? A small slingshot and what? A small stone. And God never despises the little do you remember Samson? Samson was going against a thousand Philistines were coming against Samson. You know what he had in his hand? He had the jawbone of a donkey. <laughs> you look at a thousand people coming next against you. What, what are you going to do? And what you have in your hand is a jawbone of a donkey? Well, you know what? God used that to kill the enemies. What does God say about big mountains in our life? Think about it for a second. Does he say, if you have big faith, you can move big mountains? Mountains represent the problems in our life? No, that's not what he says. He says, if you have a little mustard seed of faith, you can move big mountains with something that is so little. Now, here's what we do. We despise little because we think, well, if I don't have a lot of faith, I can't move the mountain. So we despise little. We think God is limited by little, but God is 
it's not. God says, if you'll take that little mustard seed, the faith that you have, even though it's little, if you'll use it, you can move big mountains. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We've got to speak to those mountains, speak to those problems with the faith you have. Yeah, I believe faith should grow. Our faith should get bigger. But listen, don't limit God with limit with little faith. Use that faith because God, right, is not limited by little faith. Even little faith can do big things. Now, watch what Jesus does with little. Let's look at verse 10. It says, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, a number of about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. I want you to say that with me, as much as they wanted. Now, look what Jesus did. So, Andrew puts these five loaves and two fishes in Jesus' hands that they got from this little kid. And Jesus looks at them and he asks everybody, I want you all to sit down. And here's why. Here's number two. We receive best in a position of rest. We receive best in a position of rest. So here's what faith does. Faith is a receiver. Faith is active, actively receiving what God has given. God has given you his grace. Receive it. That's active. But you know what? We receive best in a position of rest. Now, let me tell you what resting is. Resting is not you quit your job and just say, hey, you know, I'm going to just trust God and all this. No, that's not what it is. Listen, resting is trusting in God. So there's an active let me say this, an activity to our rest. What is that activity? That activity is trusting in God. But see, the very nature of rest means that you cease from your own works and let God work in your life. I find this so amazing that Jesus says to them, he knows they're hungry, and he says, yeah, I just want you to sit down. And Jesus often did this. Before miracles, he gave instructions to people. And depending on how they responded to those instructions, this depended if they experienced the miracles or not. And so they all sat down. Can I just tell you that these people didn't have to work a miracle for themselves? Jesus was going to feed them. Jesus was going to supply their need. Come on, all they had to do was rest and allow Jesus to do the miracle. And they through faith, just had to receive it. Oh, Pastor Phil, that just sounds too simple. You know what? So many times we complicate the gospel. This is what Jesus told them to do. Jesus said, sit down and rest, and I'm going to feed you. Now watch what Jesus does with the little that is put in his hand. Five loaves, two fishes. Jesus, the Bible says, gives Thanks. He speaks this word, Eucharisto, remember? Grace. So Jesus gets the five loaves and the two fishes. And here's number three. He gives thanks before the miracle. Come on, somebody. Not just after the miracle, but before the miracle. Now, I think this is so incredible because Philip, he could have taken that 40 bucks and put it in Jesus's hands, but he didn't. Right? Andrew actually put it in Jesus' hand because the lad gave it to Andrew. Right? And so he put it in Jesus' hands. Now, 
Jesus didn't have five loaves and two fishes before, but Andrew put it in his hand. Now watch this. Here's what we can do. We can look at our five loaves and two fishes, the little in our life, and we go, you know what? This is not enough to meet the need. So you know what we do? Instead of giving thanks for the little, we despise the little. Come on, somebody. We despise the little. And this is, this is how you become ungrateful. You become ungrateful when you begin to look at what you lack. You become ungrateful when you begin to focus on what you have lost. Now, this doesn't mean that we deny that we lack it. This doesn't mean that we deny that we've lost certain things. No, gratitude, what it does is focuses on God's grace, even though there was loss, even though there's lacking, what I am lacking doesn't become the focus. God's grace becomes the focus. I love that. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. And they're very... Uh, result of us being ungrateful is, is us not recognizing that five loaves and two fishes is God's grace. See, this is what happened. Jesus looked at the five loaves and the two fishes, and when he said, you caristo, grace, he noticed that this was grace. God did something small. Oh, it's small. It's little. But let me just tell you this. Jesus is doing this for our example. He knew what he would do. And he says, grace over that. You know, when we started our church over seven years ago, we launched Passion Life Church. Our first year was a great year. We just, we loved it. We were seeing God do a lot of things. Finances were good. Our second year, we had a gentleman that came to the church. He was a millionaire and he met with Val and I and he said, hey, look, you know, I just want to make more investment, financial investment in the church. And we said, wow, you know, thank you. And he said, look, we're going to give you X amount every month. You can use it for whatever. If you need to hire staff, thank you, Jesus, do it. Whatever, if you need to, you know, pay off the school rental, do whatever you need to do with it. Man, we were so thankful. And my wife at the time, she, you know, she's a physical therapist and she was working. And so she quit her job. Her hands were hurting at the time. And so we we're like, all right, God, we're going to go full throttle for you. We see this you know, as you working in our lives. Well, I remember driving home one day and the Lord spoke to me and he said, you know what? This person is not your provider. I'm your provider. I said, oh, I wonder what's going on. Well, within two months, he stopped giving to the church. Uh, we could not find him, could not communicate with him. And there we were. And so the offerings that were coming in, when we began to look at them, they weren't enough to meet our need for the church and pay the bills. And you know what? It was so easy to start limiting God in the little. It was so easy. And I actually did. I began to focus on what we didn't have. And the Lord spoke to me and he said this. And this is how the book was born, to be honest with you. He said, Phil, why don't you give thanks for what you have? I know that it's not meeting the need, but start speaking grace over the little that's coming in. And you know what I did? That changed my whole attitude. I started, as I started looking at the numbers, okay, this is not enough, but Lord, thank you. You are working. Look, it's little, but you know what? I'm going to say grace over this. You know what I started doing? is I started writing thank you notes to all of our new givers. And then those that would give extra amounts, I started handwriting different thank you notes and just sending them out. And you know what? God began to do a work. My church family, can I just encourage you today is that God can work in the little. Come on, somebody. You know, here's number four. Number four 
And this is a key to not limiting God in the little is that you're going to have to let go of the little. You know, a lot of times when we preach this story, you know, it's all about Jesus. And that's what we do. My preaching is focusing all about Jesus. But I think sometimes that we can miss the fact that I think the most gracious person there that day besides Jesus was this little kid, this little child who literally gave his little and gave it to the disciples to put in Jesus' hand. He let go of his five loaves and two fishes. And here's the thing. We don't know what if that was all that family had. The Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't tell us if they packed their lunch and they said, hey, this is just for us and our family. You know, And that's hard. Let me tell you, little is hard to let go of when you think that little is all you have. Right. And I, I was just thinking about that, that this family could think, well, why, should we give this? I mean, this is for us. How is our family going to eat if we let go of what we have? But my church family, anything that you let go of and put in Jesus's hand, Jesus can do the miraculous. I think, again, the most great, gracious person in that crowd was a kid. You know why? Because grateful people are always generous people. Let me say that again. Grateful people are always generous people. Remember, it's called Thanksgiving. <laughs> Giving. Thanksgiving. You know, on Sundays, and today we're going to do it, we're going to take up our offering, our tithes and offering. You know who our givers are? Our givers here at Passion Life Church are people who are recognizing the grace of God. You know, this little kid looked at his five loaves and two fishes and said, you know what? I'm going to give this away and Jesus is going to do something. And so today, you know who our, our tithers are today? Tithers are people who are recognizing the grace of God. Well, you know, Pastor Phil, 10%. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that we're supposed to bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Listen, 10%, that's, that's little. But can I encourage you? God can do more with your five loaves and two fishes than you can do with it. Let me say it this way. God can do more with your 10% than you can do with your 100%. That's right. Amen, Pastor Phil. You're, you're preaching good. But here's what we do. We don't want to let go. And there are many people that are living today that, you know what? They're just happy with their little five loaves and two fishes. We've got enough for our family. But you know what? The truth is, is that until you put that into God's hand, you'll never experience the miracle of more. I like to say it this way. You know, how you prioritize your giving says who you thank the most. Let me say that again. How you prioritize your giving says who you thank the most. So when we get paid, you know, on Friday, guess who we thank first? Well, here's our mortgage. Thank you, Wells Fargo Bank, for my mortgage. Here's my Visa. Thank you, Visa credit card, even though, you know, you're uh, making me grow broke with all this interest. Thank you. And so we thank and prioritize who we're thankful for the most. And you know what's interesting, as I found, is God who gives us the most and supplies for us the most, oftentimes we thank Him the least. We thank Him the least, and yet the Bible says that we're supposed to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness so that when we get paid, the first person we thank is God. Lord, I thank You for today, the ability that You've given me 
the grace that you've given to me. And so, honestly, grateful people are always generous people. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, the truth is, is that we're under grace now. We're not under law. Okay, I want to just show you in the Bible that under grace, we actually give more than we did when we were under the law. Under the law. And the truth is, we are under a dispensation of grace. But look what Paul said. Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, he says, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So Paul said this. Paul said, I'm doing more under grace. Watch because of what grace does in my life, it empowers me. So a person that is truly under the grace of God, because God has given to you, now you want to give. Grateful people are generous people. Now, many people have a misconception about gratitude and thanksgiving, especially in in little things. Some people think, well, you know what, if I'm just grateful for this, then here's the reality. That means that I don't desire more. I don't want more. No, actually, listen, gratitude is the seed for more in your life. Jesus spoke grace before the miracle. And so we've got to get in the habit of speaking grace over a little grace before the miracle. Can I just encourage you? Listen, if you're single and ready to mingle and you are looking for a spouse, what if you started today thanking God for that spouse? I used to do this before I was married. Lord, I thank you that you have the ideal partner for me, the helpmate for me, that you know what? We are going to be, we're going to have chemistry in every single way. Lord, that she's going to love you uh, more than she will love me. I thank you. You know what I was speaking? I was speaking grace grace over something that didn't even happen yet. And I'm speaking that in faith. And you know what? God did the miraculous. I believe my relationship with my wife is a miracle. Man, I'll tell you what, the way that we get along and the way that we work together, it is a miracle. And God will do more in your life. But remember, You've got to say grace and not limit him in the little. Let me just tell you this story of our miracle of more. You know, when we moved from Texas here to California, we found an apartment. We were very grateful for our apartment. It was about 1,200 uh, square feet or so, and um, it was awesome. We were grateful. We had sold our house, our first house that Val... um, and I had, it was the house that we brought our son Gavin home to, and we gave it up because we know every good thing comes from God. And when he asks us to do something and we do it, he is setting us up for incredible supply. We thanked God for our little apartment. But you know, the reality of it was, as we were doing church projects and different things like that, we didn't have enough room in our living room. We didn't have enough room in our hallway. I remember there were times where we were doing projects. We had so many boxes in our apartment, we couldn't even walk through the living room or the hallway. And so we were thankful for the little. But guess what? Every night for six years, we begin to thank God in advance and speaking grace for the new house that God had for us. And you know what? God has a timing and his timing is always perfect. Come on, somebody say a good amen. And do you know that when our current house came on the market, it was an absolute miracle, but we got it for $14,000 under the asking price. Come on, thank you, Jesus. That is a miracle of more. But can I just tell you that 
in two years. We just got it appraised. And right now, it appraised for $46,000 over what we paid for it. My church family, that is a miracle of more. Come on, somebody. But here's what we did. We didn't despise our little, depart, our little apartment. No, we said thank you for it, Lord. We thank you. But we also said thank you in advance for what you have for us. And here's the last one for today, the last key, number five. See, when we speak grace before the miracle, few understand that grace is a multiplier. When Jesus said, Grace, you caristo over the five loaves and two fishes, guess what? It began to multiply and multiply and multiply thousands of times over my church family. The Bible says that they ate until they were satisfied and there was 12 basketfuls left over. See, can I just tell you, see, in our math, five loaves, two fishes equals seven, but under grace, five plus two equals over 12, 13,000 plus 12 baskets left over. That's what God's grace can do. Okay, come on, just give him a good praise today. 12 baskets full left over. Grace is a multiplier. And this is what Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge, everybody say knowledge, of God and of Jesus our Lord. Watch this. Peter is saying, grace is multiplier. It's a multiplier. But the only way you got to understand, you need to have the knowledge of this. This is why I'm teaching, because so many people don't understand this. We have to have the knowledge of it, that grace is a multiplier, and that we need to not limit God in the little, but be thankful for the little. Come on. So God can do much more. I wonder right now what you're despising that you should be grateful for. Come on. See, some of you, you're asking God for more friends, but have you been thankful and given God uh, uh, thanks for the friends that you do have? Come on, somebody. You say, thank you, Lord, and you be a friend, and you thanksgiving, you start giving yourself away to your friends, the friends that you do have. Guess what will happen? You will have more. What about the money that you have? What if you looked at it and you said, God, I'm thankful for my job. I'm thank- I know it's not the job that I want, but I'm thankful for it. You know, watch what God can do. What about your health? And the air- I hear people always talk about the health that they don't have. You know, Pastor Phil, my right leg is really, really hurting. I know, I understand. But what if you woke up and you thanked God that your left leg was strong and you thanked God that you were alive, that you got up, there's this air. What if God could multiply the health that you have into areas that are unhealthy. But we've got to say grace. And I speak that over you today. Come on, let's pray. Father, I speak your grace over people. Lord, we may not be where we want to be, but Lord, we're not where we used to be. But we say thank you today for your grace. Thank you for what you've done. But listen, Lord, we say thank you in advance for miracles, financial breakthroughs. Father, I pray for spouses, for people. Lord, we say thank you in advance. We believe that your grace is activated in our lives. Father God, we thank you, Lord God. I believe for healing right now in people's lives. Lord, healing, complete healing for those that are sick in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful 
for your grace. We're thankful for what you're doing in our life. And Lord, you're not finished yet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're not done. You're not finished with me. You're not finished with them yet, Lord. And we're thankful for your grace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. Thank you, God. What an incredible word. And I want to live every day in thanksgiving. You know, before we close today, I want to give you the opportunity to let go of the little. As we give today with our tithes and our offerings, first, I want to say thank you to all those of you that are giving, even in this time and, you know, going into the Christmas holidays. You know, it's so easy to start buying gifts for everybody else and not honor God. So I want to say thank you for all of you that have been faithful. And I just want to encourage you. Listen, this little boy, listen, this little boy could not feed 5,000, 13,000 people. But you know what? What he could do is let go of his lunch. You know, I, I believe that there's people watching me. You want to make a difference. You want to see God do good things. And you can't do it by yourself. That's why we partner together. And as you give today, when you give, God multiplies it with all of our giving. And we're able to help feed people. We're able to minister to people. So your little lunch could do something large in people's lives if you'll just let go of it. I want to encourage you, if you're not a tither, that take the 90-day challenge. Start tithing for the next 90 days. You can actually even put it uh, on uh, recurring giving on our giving site. And there's a couple different ways that you can do that. You can just text the word PLC Marietta. There's just one kind of word, PLC Marietta, to 77977. And, uh, you know, you can give there. You can also go to our website and give there, passionlifechurch.com slash give. Come on, just remember, grateful people are generous people. God has given to you, so we give. We love you. God bless you. Listen, next week we're talking about joy. We are going to talk about joy, and I believe it's going to bless you. Share the message. Come on, pick up a copy of the book. It's going to bless you and bless others. We love you, and have a great, great rest of your weekend.